You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The Bears are back and apparently not too worried about who knows it. From the DNC to the Republicans to the World Anti-Doping Agency, disbelief is getting harder to suspend. More politically motivated hacking out of Russia prompts U.S. promises of investigation and costs to be imposed. Failures in digital hygiene continue to be exploited. SCADA hacks worry the electrical grid. And some good news, NIST has released a new cyber self-assessment tool and they'd like you to give it a spin. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 15th, 2016. The Bears are back, and we're not talking Mama, Papa, and Baby, but their Russian cousins, Cozy and Fancy. Especially Fancy Bear, who no longer really seems to care whether anyone knows that her paws are in the honey. More emails from U.S. political figures have leaked, this time from the Republican side of the aisle. Many of them are of relatively recent vintage. Those drawing the most attention are from former Secretary of State Colin Powell, who has some unguarded things to say about both presidential nominees. As usual, email rarely displays its authors to good advantage. The Republican National Committee says that, contrary to earlier reports, the RNC itself wasn't hacked, but that various Republican operatives were. The emails are being posted on DC Leaks, which for some time has represented itself as the work of American hacktivists who respect and appreciate freedom of speech, human rights, and government of the people. Most observers, however, describe DC Leaks as connected to the Russian government. Threat Connect is more direct. They say the leakers are fancy bear. U.S. authorities have declined to attribute these incidents, and they've asked for public patience, but they've also said they intend to impose costs on those responsible. This brings up two trends we've heard much discussed recently. At last week's Intelligence and National Security Summit, Tuesday's annual Billington Cybersecurity Summit, and this morning's Beat the Breach Symposium, convened by Invincia. First, threat actors, especially those run by the Russian intelligence services, seem increasingly indifferent to whether the world knows they're involved. The last stages of Fancy Bear's incursion into the Democratic National Committee, for example, was surprisingly noisy, and the compromise of the World Anti-Doping Agency was similarly brazen. Sock puppets remain in ritualistic use, but the deniability they afford is increasingly implausible. The second trend the noisiness indicates, some observers say, is that the threat actors really don't fear having consequences imposed on them. Richard Clark, former White House cyber advisor, finds this a disturbing trend. As he said this morning during Invincia's Beat the Breach session at the National Press Club in Washington, quote, the Russians are clearly very active in this election, and they don't seem to care that we know it, end quote. He points out that when genuine emails are released, as has been the case so far, that sets up the possibility of future effective deception operations. 
The next tranche of ostensibly stolen emails, for example, need not be genuine at all. But at this point, clever fabrications will be generally believed and will be tough to disprove, and that will carry weight. The World Anti-Doping Agency was apparently breached by spearfishing, and Mac Keeper researcher Chris Vickery has reported that a misconfiguration on Donald Trump's official website exposed campaign intern resumes to the public Internet. Plixer's Thomas Poor told the CyberWire that in his view the campaign was fortunate the website leak was ethically reported. Poor said, quote, The question that remains is, who else discovered the leak prior to its being reported? End quote. Tim Strazeri is director of mobile research at Sentinel One, a company that provides endpoint and server protection. He's credited with the discovery of an Android vulnerability involving image files. It's essentially very similar to stage fright, which has been in the news recently. Um, so it's essentially a uh, issue in how there was a uh, in parsing of a JPEG file. Um, specifically, it's called uh, the EXIF format, so it's EXIF, uh, and that's essentially um, the details contained within a JPEG for uh, where this photo was taken or what kind of camera it was taken with or maybe the shutter speed. Um, And by improperly parsing that data, we're able to cause uh, remote code execution and also to crash devices remotely. Um, Because what happens is uh, certain applications, some uh, like Gchat or Gmail, um, actually parse this file before the user has said, like, hey, I want to download this or um, I want to view this image. So by me sending you an email and you opening it, this could cause uh, a crash on your side or potentially remote code. Yeah, this really surprises me because I, I guess in my mind there, there aren't many things more benign than a simple image file. Yeah, it, it was interesting because uh, this this has a lot of implications where um, a simple image file could just be your avatar for a game. Or, um, you know, if you're uploading maybe a picture to a social media site or maybe you're uh, sharing something with some friends, those are all going to be static images, which we inherently just assume are going to potentially be more safe than, let's say, um, oh, if I send someone a PDF, they might be more wary about that if they don't know who I am. But an image, you know, it's just something you look at, so maybe that will be more safe. So can you dig into some of the specifics? Uh, what, what kind of modifications do you make to the, to the EXIF metadata uh, to make things go bad? There's bits in that structure that say something like, uh, where was the GPS coordinates? And GPS coordinates are going to be um, a set length. I don't remember exactly the length, but let's just say they should be, you know, six digits long after the decimal place. Well, the format accepted more than that, which nobody would really anticipate uh, because GPS isn't getting longer by any means. Uh, So if we could set something like that longer, we could cause an overflow. Um, And then that basically meant that the uh, program that's parsing it is going, well, I only expect this many. So it should never be higher than this number or lower than this number. But by stuffing something it didn't expect in there, it attempts to read it. And now it's pointing to the wrong location. So uh, what are the ways that people can protect themselves against this sort of thing? So it's actually pretty interesting. Um, Since this is in the framework of the actual Android system, there's not much that they can do. There's, uh, my understanding, there's no real products on the market that can protect you uh, for this. You basically need to get an update from Google. Uh, So as of um, Tuesday, when they push this patch, uh, all the OEMs have the patch, uh, and Google has pushed out actual firmware updates for their devices that they control. Hopefully we'll see 
different OEMs actually uh, pushing out updates as well to people. Uh, but what I suggest to customers is to see, you know, to vote with your wallet who's getting updates and when was the last time you got an update. So until you get an update for this actual patch, there's not much you can do. That's Tim Strazeri from Sentinel One. Tim's discovery earned him a $4,000 bug bounty from Google. He pledged that money to a local nonprofit organization called Girls Garage, a makerspace for middle school age girls, and Google matched the pledge for a total of $8,000. Well done, Tim. SCADA security maven Joe Weiss warns on Control's Unfettered blog that intelligent relays are demonstrably susceptible to hacking. This is a matter of immediate concern to electrical utilities, but such relays are in widespread use by other industrial sectors as well. Mark Sachs, senior vice president of the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, spoke this morning at Beat the Breach. He talked through the well-known attack the Ukrainian power grid sustained last December, and he noted that the outage was enabled by, again, some mistakes in fundamental network hygiene that any enterprise anywhere might make susceptibility to phishing, password reuse, and failure to bring systems up to date. That section of the Ukrainian electrical grid was using an unlicensed version of Windows XP as its OS. It's easy to be caught up in the long human story of error, so we're pleased today to be able to close with some good news, and no, we're not talking about CityScape becoming the national anthem. NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Technology, whose doggedly non-regulatory and collaborative approach to standards development has been winning friends and influencing people for years, has issued a draft cybersecurity self-assessment tool, and the Institute is asking for your comments. The tool is called the Baldridge Cybersecurity Excellence Builder, and it provides organizations a way of assessing how effectively they're using NIST's well-regarded cybersecurity framework. Deputy Secretary of Commerce Bruce Andrews said today in a statement announcing the release of the draft document that the builder will enable enterprises to better manage their cyber risks. So go to the Baldridge Performance Excellence Center at nist.gov and let them know what you think. Comments are open until December 15th of this year. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. 
That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, you know, recently I had my teenage son here at the office with me and uh, sort of keeping him busy. Uh, I allowed him to use my laptop and it struck me sort of midway through the day that... uh, he was. Uh, I went over and looked at some of the stuff he was surfing, and he was on a gaming site, and that site looked pretty sketchy to me. And mm-hmm. it struck me that, um, you know, uh, there's the whole issue of of our teens protecting our teens and our kids and what they're doing, what they're not doing. But also, you know, if I'm sharing my computer with uh, with one of my kids, how do I protect my stuff? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Uh, <laughs> the way I do it at home is everybody has their own device. Everybody has their own computer. Sure. Um, but, you know, not everybody can afford to do that. Not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to pay the extra power bill that comes with having two massive gaming computers in their basement. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. but, uh, but, uh, the uh, one of the things you can do is you can, you can set up an account for uh, each individual in your house and make sure that they don't have administrator privileges on that PC. Uh, that will prevent them from installing software. Uh, and you can uh, require that the installation of software uh, ask for administrator privileges. And then they'll have to ask for the password. Of course, then you have to keep the password uh, out of everybody else's hands or else they're just going to go ahead and enter it and, and put it in. Uh, that you can also, if you have a situation like you had with your son using a laptop that he might not always use, uh, these computers a lot of time, I know Apple and uh, Chromebooks, and I don't know if Windows has it, but they have guest accounts. You can just create a guest session and just go ahead mm. and get access to the computer, right. but uh, you have extremely limit, limited permissions, but you can still do things like surf the web and uh, check your email. Yeah, I, I, I really uh, should have. I wish I'd thought about that ahead of time because they're so easy to set up, but it just it didn't cross my mind. But I think that's part of it, too, is that, uh, you know, when it comes to looking out for our kids, sometimes they can be their own worst enemies. Right. They know what they want and they want it right now. Yep. And they're going to go and do what they need to do to get it, regardless of, of uh, what the ramifications of that are. And, that, you know, I think the biggest thing you need to to do is to educate the kids, educate them. Uh, tell them that when you get on this computer, there are going to be websites out there that that don't do what they say they do. They're going to be doing something in the background. There are going to be people out there who aren't what they say they are. You know, not every 14-year-old girl you meet on the Internet, 14-year-old son, is going to be <laughs> an actual 14-year-old girl. Right, right, <laughs> right. And they're collecting data about you, and, uh, you know, every everything they ask you is being is being tucked away and filed somewhere. Right. So you don't want to take all the joy out of it, but you've got to instill a, a, a practical sense of, of caution, I guess. Yeah, a healthy mistrust, I would say. <laughs> healthy mistrust. I like That's a good way to put it. All right, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? 
You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us.